The reading is taken from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, on page 1182 of the Church Bibles. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Let's pray as we approach this weighty passage. Father, thank you so much for this passage. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us individually as we spend time in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, we've we've been through our summer series, and now we're starting a new series uh, where we're going to have some time in Colossians. And we're going to look at the church as God intends. And this is vital, I think, for the church at this particular time. This is a time when we get to decide uh, who we are as a church and therefore what kind of leader we want. And in doing that, we need to look at how God sees the church. And uh, this particular sermon looks at how the church is fully and always focused on Christ. So we're in the church as God intends, and we're looking at how we're reconciled to Christ, how he's the focus of all we do. But you might be asking me now, who are uh, the Colossians again, and why is Paul writing to them at this particular time? And you'll be pleased to know that when Paul was in Ephesus in southwest Turkey on his little tour at that stage, he was doing the equivalent of sort of lunchtime talks talks when people might be having siestas, and he was sharing the good news. And there was a particular chap called Epaphras who came to faith at that time, 
and Epaphras was from Colossae. Uh, Colossae is east of Ephesus in southwest Turkey, Asia Minor in that time. And we think that Epaphras took what he had heard from Paul back to Colossae, just near Laodicea. And he shared Christ there until a church was birthed. And this church grew, and it is a fantastic church. It, it had a heart for the gospel. It had a heart for Christ. But all churches come under attack, both from the outside and from the inside, both spiritual attack and intellectual attack. And so Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. In fact, he wants this letter to be shared with the Laodiceans down the road as well, um, because he wants them to focus on what it means to be a church and to have Christ at the center of all they do. Paul's writing uh, less than 30 years after Jesus has died. So we're in AD 60 somewhere. And one of the amazing things about this passage that we're going to read is it contains a creed. Verses 15 to 20 are a creed, and they're all about what Christ has done for us and who he is. And it's amazing to see that a creed existed from this point in AD 60. In order to to make this passage, which is meaty and full, uh, ingestible and digestible for us as a church, I'm going to divide it up into three sections. And we're going to look in our three sections at him, the cross, and us. Him will take us into verses 15 to 18. The cross is 19 to 20. And us is 21 to 23. So we start off with him. Now, when I'm here during the week, my phone often needs to be on silent, talking with people, doing things, and I don't want to be interrupted. But my wife, MJ, knows that she can interrupt me if there's something that's worth interrupting me about. And if her phone's on silent, one way to do that is to use the iPhone app called Find My Phone. Have you come across that, Find My Phone? And if you use that, it doesn't matter whether the phone's on silent or not. It beeps loudly until you pay attention to it. You put your finger on it, you type in the keys, uh, and then it stops. But you have to pay attention to this loud beeping. And it was a couple of weeks ago that my phone started to go mad. And I thought, oh, no. There has been a problem at home that I need to attend to. So I gave MJ a call, and she said to me that one of our sons had fallen down the stairs. Now, we've got three sons, and sons do fall down the stairs. Uh, There are head injuries that just happen. Most of them are minor. Some of them are more than minor. And a couple hours later, when our child had um, been sick three times... We thought this is the opportunity to call the doctor, in fact, to take him in to Tommy's hospital just down the road from us. So in we raced, and uh, we're sitting there in the waiting room waiting for a doctor. But even as we're waiting, it's incredible. The NHS is amazing. Uh, As we're waiting, uh, there was a nurse who came in and said, I need to plug this onto your child's finger or their toe. Uh, And we got him plugged in, and they recorded some stats. And then I think within sort of half an hour, 45 minutes, Two pediatric consultants had seen our child. A little bit later, they gave him a CT scan. They were very serious about this injury because it related to his head. 
And head injuries are just much more important than injuries in the rest of our body. If you injure your hand, worst case scenario, you lose your hand, but you survive. If you injure a leg or a foot, worst case scenario, you lose your foot or a leg and you survive. But you can't survive without your head. And the church as well can't survive without its head. A church is the body of Christ, and Christ, as Paul's going to tell the, the Colossians, is the head. A body can survive with an amputation of an arm or a hand or a leg, but it can't survive if you amputate the head. It can't survive if you amputate Christ. And in this section, Paul wants to say to the Colossians, don't lose your head. Don't lose your head. I want you to do some work for me. Have a look in your passage in verses 15 to 20 and tell me two words that are three letters long and they're repeated over and over again. So either one of the two, three letters long, the words that are repeated over and over again. We are on page 1182, if you've closed your Bible. Him, yes, thank you, Ken. Him is the first one. All, yes, all is the second one. Him and all. Him and all basically summarize these verses. So what does he mean by him and all? Well, let's start by having a look through um, this section. Paul says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. God the Father is invisible. But the Son is God incarnate, come to earth as a human being in all his fullness. He is the image of the invisible God. Paul carries on to say, he is the firstborn over all creation. The firstborn in the sense means he is the heir of all creation. He is the heir of all things. All things belong to the Son, belong to Christ. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things. In, in, in talking about the, the thrones and authorities and powers, Paul, Paul's just grabbing for words to get to the extent of all. You'll remember that John in his gospel in John 1.10 tells us that the world was made through him and made through Christ. And Paul is saying that the world was made through Christ, but more than just the world, everything that's visible and invisible, all of these things, he's, he's trying to stretch out as wide as he can get. And he, can, he says, all of these things are made through him. And then do you notice those last two words in verse 16? And he says, and for him. Not just through him, but for him. Do you know that all things that have been made have been made for Christ? Do you know that you have been made for Christ? Do you know that your children, your friends, your parents, your siblings, your neighbors, the politicians in Westminster, all people, all things have been made for him? Paul might add, and for his glory. He carries on to say, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
literally holds the world together and all that is visible and invisible. And verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. We as a church are a body of Christ. And in our prayer meeting a couple of nights ago, Wednesday night, we were saying how from Romans 12, we belong to each other as a body of Christ. You and I belong to each other. There's a mutual accountability between us. There are demands we can put on each other in the body. Paul here um, isn't as focused about the body because he wants to talk about the head of the body. Remember, a body can even survive if it's amputated of a hand or a leg, but it can't survive if it loses the head. And his focus is on the head of the body here. He is the head of the body. He is the one of vital importance. He is the beginning. There, right from the beginning. And he is the firstborn among the dead. Jesus is the one who created the world. And he is the one who recreates the world. He created it the first time. And he's the beginning of the recreation. If we recreated, it's because we recreated in him, by him, and through him. He is the firstborn of the dead, so that, and this is such an important so that, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Supremacy is a massive word. Jesus is holding all of these things together that are made by him and are for him. And over all of these things, everything that's ever existed, he has supremacy. That's all authority. That's all power. That's all status. He is supreme over all things. And that's what we find out in these first couple of verses with the hymn Jesus repeated over and over again. Paul wants us to know it's all about him and it's all about all things with a full grasp being held by Christ. So him and all things we find out that Jesus is supreme. And since Jesus is supreme, we find out something else as well. Paul tells us in Romans 12, so Romans 14, verses 11 to 12, he says, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. If we're living in light of God who is supreme over all things and sees all that we do, a God who is all-powerful and all-holy, other, and sees all that we do, we come to a place we realize we need to be, we need to give an account in the future when all will bow the knee before him. And how do we reconcile that, the supreme God, with us who fall short 
of who we are made by him to be. So we better read on. He carries on, Paul carries on in 19 and 20 by saying, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So Jesus, the one who is fully God and supreme, is also fully man. And all of God's fullness dwells in him. Jesus isn't half man and half God, or part man and part God. He is fully man, and yet he is fully God. All his fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And Paul carries on, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now you'll hear your friends say to you sometimes, why did Jesus have to die? Surely God could have just done it himself. He could have You know, if there's a problem with the creation that he's made and God's all-powerful and all-perfect, he could have just done it. He could have just worked it out uh, to reconcile us to him. And Paul wants to say, don't you see? That's exactly what he did. God the Father sends his Son, God the Son, to earth. He is the one who initiates a relationship with us. He is the one who does it all on the cross and it takes a sacrifice because a punishment is needed for sin and he does it he dies his blood is shed on that cross and he does it so we can be reconciled Paul says to our heavenly father his blood shed on the cross does the work and there are two times in church that is Um, that this reconciliation is shown so powerfully. One of the times is at the communion table, and we're going to celebrate communion later. And we're going to, literally, we're going to take the bread, taking it as we're eating of Jesus' body, and we're going to drink the wine, literally taking it as we're drinking his blood, because it is his blood that was poured out and his body that was broken, in order for us to be reconciled, for the relationship to be restored with our Father in heaven. He reconciles us to himself through that cross, by that blood shed. And so the communion is the first time. The other time that we see it is in baptism. And in fact, this evening, we've got a fantastic baptism. We don't usually do this. This is uncommon for St. Michael's. But we are going to have a full emotion infant baptism uh, in this pool, which is actually filled already by Gary. Thanks so much, Gary, yesterday. Um, Just down here underneath uh, the stage. Kenny Ives was baptized a few years ago, and he stood in that baptismal pool, and he, he was dunked underwater um, by Tim Mullins to, to show that he had died with Christ. And then he was raised again out of the water to show that he had been raised with Christ. And now Kenny is getting Isabella, Patricia, getting Isabella baptized. Isabella is going to get dunked into that water, though she is quite young. Um, I think there might be some crying. But we're going to symbolize a, a faith in that she's died with Christ and she's been raised with Christ because she's brought up in a Christian family, in a covenant community where all she knows is Christ and his sacrifice for her. 
So we're going to declare um, that she is going to trust Jesus uh, and what he did for her on the cross. So we find out in the, the first section that Christ is supreme. We find out in this section that the work of Christ is sufficient. What Christ did on that cross is sufficient. It's enough for your relationship to be restored with God the Father. You don't have to do anything other than accept the sacrifice that has been made for you. It's an acceptance. It's not a doing. Christ did it all on the cross. So we found out that him plus all things is Jesus is supreme. We find out that him plus the cross, Jesus is sufficient. So let's carry on. Uh, It's in this section in verses uh, 21 following that Paul applies this creed that he's used to the lives of the Colossians uh, and them as a church. But it's as applicable to the Colossians as it is to you and me and our church here at St. Michael's. So let's have a look at it. Verses 21 following. He says, once, and, and notice, notice here that the hymns earlier have changed to use in the section. He talked about him, 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 Jesus. Now he talks about you, you, you. And he uses the him and the you together. And he shows how the him and the you together come together on the cross. So, so let's have a look. He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Do you know that? You were enemies of God. You were alienated. The relationship was broken. It was because of you, because of your evil behavior. But notice how God takes initiative, and we see it in verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. The sacrifice on the cross required that Jesus had to be fully God. It had to be God's initiative. But in order for reconciliation to happen between God and human beings, Jesus had to be fully human on the cross and die. So that God can be fully reconciled with man who he's created. And so it's Christ's physical body, through his physical body, through his death, through that sacrifice, through the sacrifice we deserve to pay, that we're reconciled. Through Christ's physical body, through his death, and as a result of that, we are presented in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. When we are in Christ, we have Christ's righteousness. And so when God the Father sees us, he sees his Son, holy and without blemish, when we are in Christ. And so he says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel you heard through Epaphras, he says. And that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become 
as servants. Hearing the gospel is important, but we never graduate from the gospel. We carry on in the gospel. We carry on living in the gospel the way that we started. You, you don't you do not do the gospel and you say, tick, I've accepted. Okay, I can go on to greater things. Paul says, no, if you carry on in that faith, then you will be saved. We carry on in that faith. We never graduate from the gospel. And this is also why churches can't lose Christ. If you lose Christ as a church, you lose the head, and therefore you lose the life of the church, and the church is dead. As we carry on as individuals in the gospel, if we lose our head, if we lose Christ, if we stop living by faith and trust in what he did, then we lose our life in him. And that's why everything that we do here at St. Michael's needs to be focused on our head and be done around the head. As we come together as a church on Sunday, morning and evening, we come around Christ and with a focus on him. As we meet together on Tuesdays at ATT, our focus is him. We want to know him and to grow in him as his followers, as his disciples, as his apprentices. This is why home groups are so important, that we can meet together with other Christians in this church to go deeper in the word, to go deeper in prayer, to go deeper in accountability, to hold each other accountable, to say, how are you applying the Bible that is taught on Sunday? How has it changed your week this week? Let me pray for you. To go deeper in fellowship, we can't know 100 or 200, 200 people on the electoral roll in this church. You can't know 200 people well, but you can know 8 or 12. To go deeper in fellowship. That's why home groups are so important. And they focus around growing us in discipleship. And then the other things that happen, Tuesday Woman, The Well, all these other things that we're mentioning, they're all about growing in discipleship as a church, growing in Christ-likeness together. But as a church, we don't just grow in discipleship, but we also make disciples. Remember how uh, Paul was teaching and taught Epaphras, and Epaphras learned the gospel from Paul. As a church, we also make disciples. And that's why uh, Alpha is so important. We get to invite Christians in, uh, invite people in to come to know Christ in Alpha. That's why when you go out into the workplace, you are so important as St. Michael's scattered, because you can speak Christ to those who sit at the desk next to you. Our job is also to make disciples. That's part of what it means to be a church. And then we do more than just grow disciples and make disciples. We also send disciples. Um, Liz and Andrew, we sent out to East Africa. How good is that? Like Epaphras was sent out from Ephesus back to Colossae. 
And then we do more than that. We, we send people around the country and around the world. Rich and Anna Brown are getting sent up to York to take on a new job, but not just a new job. They're getting sent out as followers of Christ into York. Karen and David Waldy are getting sent to Bath. They're getting sent as disciples out there. We send people around London as well. Will Holmes is going to get married and he's going to get sent back to HTV as a disciple to do the work of Christ there. Isn't that good? So as a church, we're fully, deci- we're fully focused on Christ as his followers, his apprentices, his disciples. As a church, we encourage each other to grow in Christ, to grow in discipleship, to make disciples and to send disciples. The church's mission centers around Christ. It's been said that a a Christian without Christ is just Ian, and Ian can't save himself. We can't lose the Christ out of who we are because we lose our head. So we find from this passage, our trust and our focus is in him, in Jesus, and he is the one who is supreme. He is the one who is sufficient, and he is the one who saves us. Let's pray.